The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph Podcast. I am Mike Stevens with Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News, and sitting across from me is the one and the only future first female GM in NHL history, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how are you doing? I am managing. I leave for New Jersey on Saturday. Hell well, yeah. New York, New Jersey, whatever. The Same Big thing. Apple. As they say, yes. the Windy City. Not- <laughs> As they say, the Steel City. <laughs> The, the, yeah. the city of love. So I will be in New York for, well, New York, New Jersey for f- five days and seeing three hockey games and Holy moly. You, go. you went from seeing no hockey games purposefully to seeing three hockey games. And then I'm up. coming back to seeing no more hockey games. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. I'm only going because uh, I have people that I know that are playing. I'm going to leave it at that. We, okay. Yes. Um, well, but we yeah. Have, I and mean, I, we have friend of the show, Damon Severson, who will be playing. He's playing. Too. Exactly. Like, yes. you know, so he's, yeah, he's our, he's our biggest fan. So it'd be great to, yes. to see him out there. Um, in headlines, right off the hop here, Rachel is leaving the bank. What's yeah. going on with that? Yeah. So I've sort of been neglecting school lately. Mm-hmm. Um, in that I am supposed to have a bunch of things done that are just not done. And so I, like, kind of, the the lady, like, someone in our department was coming back from maternity leave. And so um, I kind of said, hey, uh, I need to step away because <laughs> I need to do my thesis. And they were like, yes, you need to do that. You have been working exclusively at the bank for a little bit. We have realized that. I'm like, yes. So they are um, allowing me to take that time. And then they said, well, will, they want me to, like, the people there are actually really nice. They want me to, like, follow my hopes and dreams. But they said, if I choose not to work in hockey, there will be a spot at the bank for me in April if I so choose to come back. Well, that's so great. I, at least it's I open. Am, yeah, I am sad because... this was the best job I've ever had. Like the culture there of like learning and like mental health and just consistently wanting to do good and foster a super healthy, positive work environment and like doing their best to make things easier during COVID times. Like it's just all like, I've absolutely loved working for the bank and I'm really, really sad to be leaving, but I know like (laughs) I have to finish school Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, it's going to take a bona fide offer in hockey for me to not go back to the bank in April. Cause like I've loved, I love the bank that much. And I mean, shout out to my boss and the VP and everyone I've like worked with. I know a couple of people listen to the podcast, but, um, yeah, I've absolutely loved it. And, um, I'm definitely going to be like keeping in touch with them. That's the, put it this way. That's the type of organization I want to work for. <laughs> Well, there you go. That's perfect. No toxic work environments there. No 
verbal intimidation or anything like that as we will None get into. None of that. None of that's good. Well, you know, Rachel, you've been successful. Do, you wanna, we, do we do we want to hit on that right off the hop that like I am in a nice positive work environment and like maybe the people in the Ducks organization were not? Well, I guess that's a very good segue, isn't it? Um, I mean, Rachel, you've been successful at literally every endeavor you've ever undertaken. So I'm, I'm sure wherever you go, whether it's back to the bank or forward, you will be good. All right. Speaking of toxic, of I get well, not toxic work environments. Speaking of the opposite of Rachel's work environment, incredible segue, broadcasting right there. Um, <laughs> Bob Murray has resigned as GM and Vice President of uh, Hockey Operations of the Ducks. Um, this came after this came one day, really, after um, Murray was placed on administrative leave by the Ducks. Uh, I guess by by the Ducks organization after claims of inappropriate workplace conduct were were, were brought forward. Now. <sighs> I hate that we have to make this distinction, but this is not like when I heard inappropriate conduct, the first thing obviously that I, my mind went to was, um, you know, of the sexual nature. Um, this is just your garden variety being a huge asshole um, to everyone you work for and fostering a toxic uh, uh, work culture and using verbal, verbal intimidation and abuse. Um, and just generally being a bad person. So he has, he resigned yesterday, um, I guess because the investigation was clearly going to be like, Hey man, not cool. And he is now going to enter an alcohol abuse, um, treatment program. Uh, so I'm glad that he's getting the help he needs. Um, but, but that doesn't excuse yes. the behavior. And I, I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter be like, well, now he's at least getting the help. And like, they're not like those two things are ex like, those are not the same. Like good that he's getting help. Yes. That is a positive thing. That does not mean he's all of a sudden absolved of everything that happened. It doesn't wipe away all the shit that he's done and all yeah. the people that he's hurt and all the, and you know, and all the, like, we... And I'm seeing way too many people being like, well, he's getting help, so everything's going to be fine. I'm like, that's not how that works. Abuse is abuse. Like, th like, this likely, you know, drove people out of the organization or changed people's lives. You know, it's... And Do you mean to tell me that toxic work environments cause people to leave organizations? Uh, you would know nothing about that, Rachel. So I, I think no. that I don't know if you're qualified to speak on, to be quite frank. Not with at you. all. Um, but honestly, like, I will say this. And I can't believe like the bar is so low, mm -hmm. but good on the ducks for handling this in the correct manner. Like I look at it and just for like funsies, I looked at the bank's policies for things like this. And the bank, because it's, like, a government, like, organization, right, you have to adhere to, like, extremely strict conduct policies. Yeah. And when there is a complaint lodged in a, in, for inappropriate conduct, there's always, like, a preliminary question period. And then if there is, like, enough to be, like, okay, there's probably something here, that employee gets placed on leave. That's exactly what the Ducks did, and they should be credited for handling it in that manner because going forward, that is what needs to happen. That What the Ducks did here needs to serve as the bar, an example on how you deal with these types of complaints, allegations, whatever the case may be. So the Ducks as an organization absolutely handled this correctly. What really, what really surprised me about this 
is so the NHL put out a statement saying, you know, we can like we're glad he's getting help, we condemn it, whatever. Is that they also they said that this is a result of people using the NHL hotline, the NHL tip line. So they're just patting themselves on the back. Yeah, I didn't see that statement. So they're literally it? just patting themselves on the back. Well, no, I mean it wasn't as blatant as that, but like what what surprised me is that the NHL tip line worked. Like I thought this just wasn't like it didn't seem That's like That's the first time the tip line has worked. Yeah. But hey, it, it led to something and what what also so essentially what happened is the NHL sent a memo out to all their teams saying like, "Hey, check on like check under the hood like if there is abuse, you need to report it and deal with it." And that sort of spurned that, that spurned them to be like, "Hey, you know, it's been 12, 13 years or something of, of this, like under, we've lived under this rule. Um, so let's finally, let's do something about it. But it, it does shock me that it took them that long to be like, Hey, maybe our GM who's just a straight up intimidating and abusing, uh, people throughout the organization. Like now after over a decade, now we're going to start to deal with it. Like after all this, it's, it's well, and the other, like, it's not even just that it's like, okay, f- when I, when I saw like, I just saw the tweet that he had been placed on leave. I did not even have to click the link to know that it was alcohol-related. Mm-hmm. So it was, put it this way, I was, like, the lowest member of the totem pole in the New Jersey front office, and I knew about this. Yeah. So, like, this is not a well-kept secret. And so, like, am I happy the NHL hotline worked for once? Yes, that's great. Am I happy the Ducks dealt with this properly? Yes, that's good. But if I knew about it and I was in New Jersey, which is on the opposite side of the country, there is no reason that people in Anaheim higher up the ladder didn't know about this and that it couldn't have been dealt with earlier. But, I mean, we're kind of seeing this now where people are, I guess, realizing that things that flew in the past do not fly anymore. Exactly. Like, it, it is really a reckoning that we're seeing. And, and it's, like, I'm, I'm so glad that finally we're, we're having this happen. Like, finally people, because he got away with this for so long. Like, he, he ruled, you know, this organization with fear for so long. And I wonder where, like, I wonder where they're going to go now. I, I, like, I bet that this is going to be... But it can't stop here. Like, you know what? And, like, let's, okay, there is a distinct difference between... Toxic work environment slash verbal abuse and what happened to Kyle Beach. Those two things are not the same. Are they both serious? Yes. But like one is a criminal offense. Right? Yes, so yes. there's all there is that. And honestly, like, if we're now forcing people to resign over this, which I agree should happen, then this reckoning has a long path to go because there are a whole lot of other people that probably are looking over their shoulder going, hmm, bet I regret doing that. And so this can't be the only thing because, I mean, if we're going to be honest here, I'm willing to bet that there are organizations or people that have done worse than Bob Murray that are still employed. Yeah, what what? Unfortunately, another thing that struck me too is the response from a lot of people being like, uh, "Yeah, everyone, no one is surprised about this. Like, no one is shocked that this is happening. Like, it was it was a well known fact that this guy was doing what he did, and no one did anything about 
like finally they did, but no one was able to step in and be like, hey, maybe don't treat your employees like shit. Maybe, you know, and, and I don't necessarily blame, I guess, the owners in the sense that like they take a step back here, like they're not very hands on in the organization and and all that. Um, but like anyone else around the league, you're seeing this, you're hearing this and there's no and I guess like the anonymous tip line is is. I'm not going to say that it works quite yet because it's only been helpful in one instance. Now, if I see other instances of this being the case, I might be more apt to say, you know what? It might work. And that's that's a situation (laughs) where you use it, where like, let's say you're like, like, let's say you're a you're a rival executive and you're hearing all this. And like everyone in the like you said, you know, you were in the New Jersey Devils front offices across the country, not even in the same conference. Um, and you still were like, yeah, I heard all about this. And so it surprised yeah, me. Yeah, like that- I met Bob Murray one time and it was for like 10 minutes. And was he a dick? <laughs> he knew, he was like, I did not have a personal like problem with him. I do know that like other people have, but it's also not my place to just be like, hey, I think this is going on with without knowing for sure. Like mm-hmm. the thing about this whole like tip line thing is like you cannot call in and be like, I'm assuming this is happening or like I think this is happening. Like that's mm, you can't do that. It's it's more like I saw this thing occur. Right. So clearly enough people with the ducks called that tip line and said this is going on where the Samuelis, who have actually now decided to pay for the alcohol abuse program that Bob Murray is entering into, to which my question what? is, are they also paying? Yeah, so he's, Bob Murray is entering an alcohol abuse program, which is a good thing. Yeah. But- That's a good thing. The Samuelis are paying for it. You know what? Their choice. That's fine. My question is, are they also paying for the therapy of all the employees of, that were the product of the toxic work environment because those people probably have some scars and those people did not make a couple million dollars a year to be the GM of a hockey team. That's such bullshit. Like what? Why aren't they paying for <laughs> like you, this guy, this guy terrorized your employees and you're going to pay for his treatment. Like, the, like he was like, he can afford it. But the thing is, I don't, oh nec- I don't have a problem with the ducks owners helping out their former employee but they also need to, he can't be the only former employee they help out, is my point. You want to help out Bob Murray? That's, you know what? Kind-hearted, good for you. But you also need to help out the victims of his verbal abuse and toxic work environment. You can't just help him out. You know what? Why don't they also step up and pay for uh, John Doe 2's um, No, nope, they're definitely not going to do that. I know they're not, <laughs> but like, so you're going to... Okay, so Jeff Solomon takes over yeah. as interim GM. Um, Jeff Solomon's actually one of the brightest guys in an NHL front office. Oh, yeah. I think he's super smart. He was with the Kings he came, during those cup yeah, runs, right? Exactly. Him, Michael Fuda, like that front office is just like it's grossly stacked. Um, but yeah, so Jeff Solomon takes over. Um, I think he's actually a good fit. I saw Steve Simmons like talking about how like Dave Nonis should be the GM. And oh I'm like, my God. like, I'm like, shut up, Steve, you idiot. Like, Dave Nonis was the guy that wanted to draft Nick Ritchie instead of William Nylander, so I think we'll just end the conversation there. So, but anyways, Jeff Solomon's already been given the job in on an interim basis. He's going to be able to direct them. The Ducks are already on a good path because, funny enough, in my research, which is literally sitting in front of me right now, the Ducks have the best drafting record in the last 10 years. Like, 05 to 2015, you got to give five years for development. They have the best drafting and development record in the entire NHL. So they're set up for success. 
fine, carry on. But like, you've got to completely revamp your organization off ice in terms of culture. Otherwise, no one's doing any work for a positive reason and the work will not be as good. So I actually really hope Jeff Solomon gets a chance because I think he's a really smart guy. And from all accounts, he is a like he's a decent human being as well. I mean, look, that's the which bare, counts for something at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's the bare minimum. But at least it's good to know that that you know he's a good person. And hey, like the like you said, the Ducks have had they've probably drafted the best out of any team over the last maybe what five years. Like their prospects are absolutely stacked. They're doing so well this year. They've drafted the like. In generally, they have the best draft metric, but I do like offensive de- and defensive contributions. Like mm-hmm. I, I actually have metrics for that. And um, defensively, like in terms of drafting defensemen, they are so far and away ahead of anybody else. Like it is not even close. Oh yeah, it's insane. Like the second, the team in second and the team in twenty first are closer than the team in second to the Ducks. Like, that's how wide it is. Holy that's shit. how good they are at drafting and developing. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, so, like, they're set up. It's not like... On ice, Bob Murray has got them going in a decent direction. Off ice, clearly, it's a goddamn mess and needs to be cleaned up. And to be fair, I'd argue that that's more important because if it's a mess off ice, it's going to bleed into the on ice product. And also, no one should have to work in that kind of environment. As someone who had to do that, n- like, and not even just, like... I'm not even speaking specifically to hockey. No one should have to work in a toxic work environment. Mm-hmm. Man. So, yeah, that's... It's... it's gr- Look, it's great to see that, that the organization handled this properly. It was done swiftly. Um, and it seems like they can now move forward in a, in a positive light while Bob Murray gets the... Like, is... is excommunicated from the organization like he does not get to to you know do what he was doing for all those years but also gets the help he needs so hopefully he can learn from this um all right speaking of people you know who's who, not getting the help he needs though yeah and you know who never learns from anything the nhl because it was it was reported by rick westhead this week that the nhl will not um provide or uh, cover the cost of of uh counseling to john doe 2 um the uh, the second unnamed victim um of brad aldrich who uh, I believe he was 16. He went to jail for, so this is, by yes, the way. So this is not... Like convicted criminal offense. These are not allegations. This is a proven fact. Yeah, we like, don't have to say allegedly no, here. He like, went to jail. He went to jail for this. And Gary Bettman said, you know, I was in that Zoom conference when Gary Bettman said, you know, we have to learn more. We have to, you know, we have to How learn... How do you learn more than other than beyond a shadow of a doubt? You look at you look at the court record that says convicted, and you go, okay, that's what I need to learn. And then, like, and I understand... Okay. <laughs> and, yeah. So I get... So here's the thing. I understand that if the NHL were to cover this cost, then that would essentially be an admission of guilt from them saying that we did something wrong. And so from a legal perspective, I understand where they're coming from, like... But like, here's know, the thing... And Sam Chang, who mm-hmm. is a lawyer, yes. pointed this out. Mm-hmm. There are many times, and it happens very often in pro sport, where you could say in a settlement talk such as this, this is not an admission of guilt, and it cannot be used as precedent going forward. Yeah, that happens all the time. It literally happens all the time. So all the NHL had to do is say, because John Doe 2 doesn't have health insurance and can't afford therapy for being raped 
I don't under like how are we even having this discussion? All the NHL has to do is say this isn't an admission of guilt. We will cover the costs, and this is not precedent. So that if someone, if something else says, "Oh, like I played in the NHL or whatever," and you got to pay for my therapy, the NHL can be like, "Well, this isn't precedent. You can't use this specific case." That's all they had to do, and the fact that they couldn't even do that just tells me that, like, that's not even a legality versus a morality thing, because everyone, everyone's gonna look at it and go, "Oh, it's a legality thing." No, it's very a morality thing because all you have to do is write that one clause in, and it's done. And I asked a criminal defense lawyer who I know how easy it is, and she she said that it's basically boilerplate, which means it requires no effort. It the just like the. The shocking lack of empathy that has come out of the NHL is disgusting from this. Like, they were, like, again, I was in that Zoom meeting. I asked Gary Bettman questions. Like, I, I saw how he reacted. And it was, it was like an alien Googled human emotions before, <laughs> b- before like, the Zoom went live and then went on. Like, it, li- it, it, it didn't, it was very Mark Zuckerberg-esque. Have you ever seen Mark Zuckerberg talk? It was very like... Oh, yes, I've watched him testify in front of Congress. I'm an alien, and I don't really know how to do You know, I'm out here smoking these meats. On like, a side note, did you see the senator ask the Facebook employee... About if about Yes. I'm oh, like, tell yeah. me you are not qualified for your job without telling me. Have you seen Have you seen the Mark Zuckerberg, we're just out here smoking these meats video? Yes. It's That's the, the most awkward human I've ever seen. But, like, this is... Like, Gary Bettman... Like, I understand, okay, so I understand he works for the 32 owners. So, so a lot of this, like, Gary, like they are his boss. Gary Bettman is the, is the conduit to them. So we need to, and it was talked about on the SDP this morning that I listened to, but we need to start holding the owners accountable for this because they, they are the ones who can make the change here. Like, Gary Bettman is their, is their vessel. And so what he's doing is he's communicating the, the sentiment of what is likely the NHL owners saying, no, don't pay for it. You know, we're part of this brethren, and one of our guys got found out like that's it so i think it's now time for fans to start pressuring it fans and sponsors to start pressuring these owners to do it because this is this is so unbelievably like minuscule the the cost it will be in the grand scheme of things for these these teams and these people these are billionaires these are people who have the amount of wealth that you can't even wrap your head around and what the cost for the cost for the uh, uh, for john doe's counseling for the rest of his life is Maximum probably going to be like what thirty grand, like, like for the rep. Keep in mind, maybe, maybe, and that's if like he, he, that's if they use like the top you know person ever. Like, I like so like I go through, I pay, and this is only because I'm international. My psychiatry, which is like obviously more than therapy, Mm. and to be fair, this is probably what John Doe needs. Is psychiatry is five hundred dollars an hour, but. For, like, different, like, if you say, oh, I'm coming for an extended period of time, they actually will usually say, okay, for, like, this many, like, for this, either many sessions or period of time, it's, like, X amount of dollars. So, like, John Doe, too, and his mother could, like, go find a psychiatrist and be, like, this is the price, and they could just, like, bill the NHL. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's honestly, first of all, you just signed, like, a nearly billion-dollar television contract? Like a like like a like a earth shattering like television contract like that will change. Most the of these owners let let's just let's just say, like the Wirtz family. I don't know how much they're like 
worth. But let's say, let's say on the very extreme high end, and I'm looking it up right now. I'm, I'm right? looking it up now too. Um, let's say on the high end, the therapy for 20 years. Their net worth, is, Rocky, Rocky Wirtz's net worth alone is $500 million. Right, and that doesn't include the value of the Blackhawks. The, the Wirtz family, all I'm told, yeah. is $4.2 billion. Right, so let's say hot therapy on the high end is $5 million. On Holy the shit. extreme high end, like he gets everything imaginable, it's literally less than 1% of their net worth. That's like... If, if, it would be like if I went and bought McDonald's for lunch today, which I did. Well, there you go. Like, th th and this is the problem here is like it literally like it costs almost nothing. And the NHL is like, we're going to leave it to the Blackhawks to figure out with John Doe, too. Oh, yes, because they did such a fantastic job of dealing with this entire situation in, to begin with. They can definitely be trusted. It's insane. Like, yeah, we're, we're now placing the onus on the Chicago Blackhawks to do the right thing when the entire, yeah. everything to do with this is about them not doing the right thing. I spoke, like, literally, I spoke to Brent Sopel this week and he said if management had done what they said they would have done, we wouldn't be talking today. Like, because everything about this is doing the right thing. And they, and they, like, so now, now we're supposed to trust that they will? I hope they do. Because they ruined, like, they, they were, they, they, allowed this this predator to be sicked upon this this child it's child whose life is now changed forever it's it's disgusting and it all it takes like it's a drop in the bucket it's like a cup of coffee to these people 4.2 billion dollars like is the word is what the words family's net worth is rocky words alone is net worth is 500 million dollars and i don't care all these people coming in saying like oh it's not liquid or all that whatever like covering for therapy for like you said like let's even like like five let's say five million dollars which is literally like the I can't even imagine what type of therapy that is like unless that's like they go into your brain and like rewire it like through surgery to be happy and like I literally went on the most extreme end of things yeah and even that is nothing that is they that is couch change to them that is like they I guarantee you they have like like, I guarantee you the three of their fleet of 15 cars or something they have is worth that. Like, just, it's nothing. It's nothing to them. It takes no effort. It should be done already. And yet they're still in court trying to get this lawsuit thrown out. They're talking out of one side of their mouth, saying, we support him. We're so sorry. He's so courageous. And at the other end, they're saying, oh, you know, let's, let's try and throw this out. We're not going to cut. Like, it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And I, I do not like it. And I... I'm sick of talking about I do about not this. like Greg Green Eggs and yes. Ham, and I do not like them, Sam I am. I do not like Gary Batman. Yeah, I do not like Gary Batman. I do not like him, Sam I am. Yes, exactly. But it's... Like, I'm so sick of talking it's about this, very, Rachel. It's just very disappointing, yeah. I wonder, kind of... Like, what I want here is I want st sponsors to step up and be yes. like... Because that's enough. Because we've already kind of heard, like, rumblings that some sponsors weren't happy, but, like, where is Bridgestone? Oh, yeah. Right? The people that, like, sponsor, like, the Winter Classic or, like, uh, Verizon or whatever. Like, whoever does, like, the playoffs. Where's like, Discover where's, Card? Where's yeah, uh, dis Tim Hortons? Where's all of these giant sponsors? Yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? Where are the Blackhawks sponsors? Like, all of this. These are questions that need to be asked. And, and so I wonder kind of what's going on there. But, it, I mean, I guess we'll see. Right? Where's ESPN? Like, they're, like... It, I mean, broadcasters don't really, like, the one thing I did learn is broadcasters have almost no say. 
Ah. Like, zero. Yeah, all they can have is, like, their people talking about it, which, to ESPN's credit, like, Emily Kaplan hasn't let it die, Greg Wyshynski hasn't let it die, like, they've stayed on this. Yeah. Oh, all, like, first of all, Emily Kaplan is having a year to oh, remember. We, like, she is This is, we stand Emily now. Kaplan on this podcast. She's a star now. Like, it's, it's insane. Um, no, she was always a star. I'm just glad that more people are getting to see, like, being exposed to her now. Because she has always been an f- incredibly talented person. Mm-hmm. But now she's, like, on a national stage and they're investing in her. Like they, Which is fully deserved. But, yeah, 100%. okay, so... Yeah, all right. We are going to go into a deep dive. The talk just of the a town. Quick, quick-ass update. Uh, the Germans are winning 4 nothing in the 28th minute of a 90-minute soccer game. Wow. So things are going well. That's a lot of goals for uh, for the beautiful game, for footy. So Yeah, it's not too a bad. lot of goals. Yeah. All right, Rachel. And I am enjoying it. I'm so glad. Um, bottle that <laughs> energy. So... The biggest Especially because they're missing, like, six of their players because of COVID, and they're still winning 4 nothing. It's great. Hell yeah. Um, the biggest, uh, I guess the biggest on-ice news, which isn't even really on-ice, it's it happened off-ice, but it pertains to on-ice, is um, Jack Eichel. Was it, I was going to say, was it Tony D'Angelo getting fined for diving? No, did you see Mr. Booth's... Um, yeah, Tony D'Angelo like f- find twenty thousand dollars for being a little bitch. Like, yeah, incredible. Um, you almost got bamboozled again, didn't you? No, I'm not. I, I knew the NHL wasn't going to say that, but it's no, Mister Booth. Didn't he get suspended for bamboozling everyone? Like, it's yes, yeah, which like, is he, so funny. Someone got so angry they were po- okay. I don't get this though. On Mister Booth, Mister Booth loses his account for like bamboozling people, but like. Uh, people don't lose their accounts for, like, sexually harassing, like, myself and others or, like, making racist comments. Like, I don't understand. No, because because uh, <laughs> impersonating Elliot Friedman is a, is a federal crime, whereas that is just boys being boys, you know? Yeah, so we'll just leave that. But anyways, Jack Eichel. He's not a, he, like, the saga is over. Finally. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility 
powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Woo Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. Um, he was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights, in ex- uh, along with a third-round pick, um, in exchange for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a 2022 first that is top 10 protected, so it could switch to 2023 if it lands in the top 10, and uh, 2023 third. Um, before we get into this, because we, you and I haven't really talked about the actual, like even off mic, we haven't actually talked about the actual price of the, the deal. Yeah. We've just talked about the fact that it's pretty great that Jack... Remember what I said last podcast, though, about Peyton Krebs? Yeah. Well, hey, mm-hmm. there he is. So, Rachel, what do you think about this? Like, what, what, is, what is your first impression of this deal? Who's the, other than, we know Jack Eichel is the winner of this deal, no matter what. A, he gets yeah. to have a surgery. B, he gets to leave the hellscape that is Buffalo. Um, and I mean the city of Buffalo and all the people who live in it. Um, but what do, you, what do you think of this price? Good, bad, overpay, underpay? What's going on here? I actually think it's pretty good. Like fair? Like I would, I, I would give it like a B minus. And I was like prepared to have to like give Buffalo like a D plus. Like getting Peyton Krebs is a big deal. It's good. And apparently it's Alex in, Tuck said he was dying to be a Sabre. Well, well, Alex Tuck is a Syracuse boy. Yeah. The only person and, on planet Earth who's dying to be a Sabre. So it just happened that they found him. I think that was part of it, though, was that they wanted people who wanted to be Sabres. And Alex Tuck, as a, like, northern New York boy, western New York boy, fits into that category. And I think Alex Tuck is terribly underrated. Mm-hmm. Sign long term like, too. S- some, no offense to this executive, some idiot ass executive was like, they're getting a, a third line guy and a maybe rookie. I'm like, you clearly haven't watched Alex Tuck or Peyton Krebs play in the last two years. That is an absurd because- sentence. <laughs> like, oh my god. Oh my god. It's actually idiot. Okay, so Alex Tuck is a modern day power forward. He's enormous. He's one of the best skaters in the entire league. And, like, the second he comes back, he's playing on Buffalo's top line. Like, other other teams, and I remember this being a thing, other teams do not like playing against Alex Tuck because not only is he good, he is incredibly difficult to play against. How injured is he right now? Like, I know he's on IR. I don't know how injured he is. Like, when is he going to come back and be a Buffalo I believe someone said in December sometime. Hey, so at least it's it's coming up. But it, yeah, like, and Buffalo's not in the playoff hunt, but you know what? At least they get a guy who wants to be there, and that's important because there are inherent leadership qualities that are associated with that. Um, and then Peyton Krebs, I mean, first of all, I'll commend Buffalo for doing the right thing and, and sending him to Buffalo. Um, but like... I mean, and sending him to Rochester, sorry. I, like, totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> you, had, um, you definitely short-circuited there for a second. <laughs> yeah, like, my whole brain just went whoop. 
You you know you know what I, I pictured is you know when you during one of those old uh, <laughs> during like Windows ninety five when you'd hit something that sh- like click something that shouldn't be clicked and it just goes like doom. That was basically that's what, what your happened. brain did. So you they sent him to Ro- you tried to think to and it went doom. <laughs> yes, it literally just went pull. They sent him to Rochester and that's where like Peyton uh, Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn, and JJ Paterka are. They're going to be fantastic. There is there was no need to put Peyton Krebs in the Buffalo lineup. Let him go and like develop and play huge minutes, and then you can bring him up next year. Like it's going to be good. And I'm like, first of all, I'm friggin' shocked that they got Peyton Krebs from Vegas. Yeah, so I think that's definitely the right move. I mean. It, you the thing that the thing about Buffalo that has been so that has really you know ruined them and crippled them in their development is that a they can't draft but also b when they do draft people they either they rush them in erode their confidence and then yo yo them back and forth like we've seen it with Middlestat you know we've seen it we like they rushed in Darlene and uh, he's he's doing well now aside from you know a little toe pick at the end of that uh, Kraken game which was hilarious I'm not sure if you saw him. Uh, oh, <laughs> fly I did. through the air. Um, he achieved flight, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, but this is an opportunity. You have a you have a blue chip prospect now. It's an opportunity to send him down, have him build up his confidence in the AHL, maybe even win a Calder Cup. Who knows? Really invest in that. The guy's only what twenty? Like he's very 19, 20 years old. He's very young. Like you are not getting a guy who's like twenty two, twenty three, where like he's already at the end of his development runway, and you need to you need to kind of decide what's what's happening here. Um, so yeah, I think like Buffalo is such a, like they were all, I think no matter what they lost the situation just because they lost Jack Eichel, who could be a superstar. Like he already was a superstar, but could reach another level of superstardom, um, in Vegas is the first time we're ever going to see him around competent people. Um, but to get back, you know, a first in a stack draft class that could then be pushed to an even more stack draft class, you know, a third, a blue chip prospect in Krebs and then a, you know, and then a guy in Tuck who, you know, gives you, gives you a lot of good stuff, um, wants to be there. And then is also signed for the next like four years at, I think it's like 4.5 million, I think, or 4.25, something around there. So that's not terrible. A very like affordable deal. Like a palatable deal. Yeah. I think that's about as good as you were going to get after, after as much as, after how bad, just how like worst trade ever bad they bungled the Taylor Hall situation. Um, they needed, I wouldn't even call this a win, but they needed to break even in some way, like public, like public wise, like PR wise. And I think they did that with, with Eichel. Like, I think, I think this is a deal that fans can go. Yes. You know, we're not happy, but we're not outraged either. This is, and, and as much as Buffalo can do to, to stave off outrage from their fan base, um, that's going to be a victory for them. So kudos to them. Um, on top of that, Eichel, uh, Eichel's now going to the Vegas Golden Knights, who, although it's funny that the NHL put up a tweet that was saying, like, oh, this is what this lineup could look like when Eichel comes back. Um, that, that is illegal <laughs> in the salary cap. Yeah, um, like, your, your own company. Was like, hey, let's check is- out this $115 million lineup. Like, how sick is this? Um, but look. Like, listen, you're not Tampa. You're not allowed to do that. A top line of Eichel... Pacioretty, Stone, add to add to superstar like not superstars, but add to add to players like Petrangelo and Shea Theodore and Robin Leonard and all the, like this is a good team. Marchessault, Riley Stone. Yeah, so um, 
the thing, like, so Dom Lustrigian did, like, a line comparison on what it could potentially be. And I think the the bar for the best line in hockey is the Boston line. Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak, like, the perfection line. Mm-hmm. But Eichel Pacioretty Stone has the potential to be mammoth offensively and defensively. Mark Stone is one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL. I would like, say, like, one of, if not the... Like he's right. Like he is the first. Okay. He's the best takeaway. He's the best defensive winger in the NHL by a fair margin. Yes. He's also good offensively. Max Pacioretty can really shoot the puck. He's also not terrible defensively from what I remember. Mm -hmm. So they, Jack Eichel is not very good defensively, but they will make up for the deficiencies. Then you get going. They're all very good in transition. They all are good in the offensive zone. I think this has the potential to be one of the most terrifying lines in the entire league, and it might be one of the only lines that can go toe-to-toe with McDavid, Dreisaitl, and whomever else they decide to put on that other wing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this is, it's a big problem. But one of the other things it does is it helps Vegas' center depth. So, William Carlson was playing top line center, and you had Chandler Stevenson playing second line center. That's not where they're best suited to be. Now you have Eichel, who's very clearly going to be the 1C. That pushes Carlson down to 2C, which he's better suited for, and it pushes Chandler Stevenson down to 3C, which is where he's best suited for. So, immediately, not only does Eichel come in and just add a jolt to your lineup, He's also adding the fact that other guys don't have to play in roles that they're not suited for. We've seen this in Toronto where defensemen have to play higher than they're supposed to, and it doesn't go well. Justin Hall. Travis Dermott. So now Eichel comes in, not only are you injecting a fantastic hockey player, but you're help like there's a domino effect. And I think this could really be like the piece. Now they have a ridiculously good goaltender. Mm-hmm. They have a back end that has Petrangelo and Shea Theodore. And then they have one of the best lines in the entire league when healthy. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot else you can ask for there. Like, you've got all the pieces. You've got a Vesna caliber goaltender, a Norris caliber defenseman, and one of the uh, a Selkie caliber forward, and a guy who could potentially be in the top 10 for heart voting. Not bad. It's insane. I love watching teams manage the way that I manage like the Pittsburgh Pirates and MLB the show like just getting as many stars as possible working it like working around like they're like oh you can get an upgrade here all right let's do it like they're playing fantasy hockey and like I love teams that just go for it like there's all this pussyfooting around things in the NHL and there's all this you know like like even the most blockbuster moves they're still kind of boring this was like like screw this! We're going for it. We're gonna we're adding Jack freaking Eichel to our team, and if we have to commit tax fraud to make sure that our that our you know our cap is somewhat legal, then we'll do it. And I also it's funny I was ta- so I was talking to David Alter at the um at the when I was covering the Leafs game on Monday. I think we were talking about this, and <laughs> he was he has a friend who works in the NHL, and he was talking about how there isn't exactly like a rule on what happens. Like it it says like a team must be. A team must be cap compliant, but there's no penalty for it. Like there's no, there's no like, like like if if Vegas was just like, all right, here's our lineup. And they're like, that's over the cap. Like they're going to be like, what are you going to lose? You're going to lose a full game of revenue because of us. Like you're not going to let us play. (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? 
it's so it's it's funny because we might get to that point like Vegas like I, I don't know what they're going to do to be able to become cap compliant here they have like 20 million dollars on LTIR LTIR right now like they have Stone and Eichel Stone's making nine Eichel's making 10.5 like that's all that's already like that's 20 million dollars right there on, on LTIR so you're gonna have to find a way to fit 20 million dollars onto a roster in a you know that's already close to the cap with other big 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 names what are you gonna like you're gonna what get uh, kick other guys out trade other people i out? think what no, i think it probably ends up being like first of all we made we clowned on tampa for kucherov and like to be fair like they kind of deserved it but I am actually a proponent of Jack Eichel taking as long as he needs. Oh, yeah. Because a neck injury is extremely serious. Like, that has life-altering implications associated with it. Especially when we're going we're gonna to get into the surgery because mm. I read three academic papers about it. And... So we're going to get into what that entails, but I'm actually in favor of Eichel taking all the time he needs. And if that means he's got to be on LTIR until the playoffs, then he needs to be on LTIR until the playoffs. Because if you come back too soon from this kind of injury, you could literally change your life forever. That is what the academic papers say. You know what also is the thing too, is that, um, Vegas is going to make sure that he takes his time. This is a guy who, like, they have, he's got, what, like, six more years left on his deal or something? Like, he, like, so that's, that's a $60 million investment financially. And then they also just gave up a blue chip prospect, first round pick, another good player, and, and another, and a third round pick. Like, they've, they've invested a lot in this guy. They're not going to rush him back for him to only re-injure this and potentially, you know, make him become 80% of the player he used to be. Like, this is, they are not, they're not... Yeah, they didn't trade for 80% Jack Eichel. They're not messing around. Like, they're going to take, they're going to take this slow and steady, and they're going to make sure he's at, you know, peak Jack Eichel when he comes back. And that's exciting, that they're going to, they're going to, like, that when Jack Eichel steps on the ice again, he's going to be healthy. He's going to, he's going to be Jack Eichel. He's not going to be, you know, Jack Eichel with an injury, you know, a little, like, he's not going to be Steven Stamkos playing that, you know, one shift in the Stanley Cup final game. Um, where he could barely get through it. He's going to be Jack Eichel. And adding that to this Vegas Golden Knights team, regardless of, of you know, who they've had to give up, man, I, I cannot wait. Um, so, yeah, it's... You're saying, Should we talk about the surgery itself? Yes, let's talk about the surgery itself real quick um, because I'm heading up to Oshawa right after this to take part in... I'm actually going to be the head coach because I can't play because I have a torn meniscus. Um, so... Man, uh, what do you... Okay, I love that you do this. I literally competed on the Canadian national gymnastics team with a torn meniscus. I am not allowed to. It, it, you, Rachel, you would have... You, you mean you're not allowed... Like, okay, Rachel, you I'm would gonna, have yelled at me so hard if I had played. I'm saying that you're doing the good thing while also chirping myself for being like... You totally can do it, but you definitely shouldn't do it. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. Let's, <laughs> let's hold off here for a second. Rachel, every time I would run on this thing, Rachel... I would, literally yelled at you. Rachel would yell at me. She would berate me. She would belittle me as a man. And as, you know, as I deserve. You deserved it because you could... See, the difference... Okay, so the difference between Mike's torn meniscus and my torn meniscus is my knee has adapted because it happened when I was eight. Mike is old and his knee hasn't <laughs> adapted and he cannot walk. Yeah, I and so can if walk I normally. and so Rachel, if I was gonna tell you, hey, I'm gonna play three hockey games in one day, 
You I'm would just beat my you. ass. You would come I actually would beat your ass and beat my ass. So I'm I, instead I'm going to be a head coach who chews gum and and yells at people. And uh, are and, you going to ask um, your coaches, your players, to compare themselves? To one another? Or yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna okay. make sure that all my players. We get Steve. Um, I'm gonna get Ian Tullick, uh, James Myrtle, all of them to uh, rank all of their teammates on a list of work Got ethic. It. Just uh, for the record, because people like to chirp me for chirping you. Yeah. I was not actually being serious. He should not be playing. Yes, he can't no, no, even no. walk. It's Rachel. You are not even close to being the meanest person to me <laughs> in a public sphere. <laughs> that that distinction goes to Kaylee Chung, without a doubt. And, Anyways, um, a man on Twitter is saying that I've received my degree from Sally Struthers University because I said that many is more than one. So I took a screenshot from the Oxford Dictionary where the, the definition of multi is as follows. More than one. Okay, so hold on. People, <laughs> didn't, people didn't realize what we were talking about because this happened off mic. So when Rachel was switching her headphones, we had to take a brief pause for a second. Um, I, I came across a tweet from Jim Matheson who someone was like, oh, uh, Ken Holland shouldn't have signed uh, Mike Smith to a multi-year deal. And, Ken, and, and Jim Matheson went, multi-year? It's only two years, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> and I get the implication that multi implies like five, six, seven years, no. but the dictionary definition of multi is more than one. William Nylander had a multi-goal game against Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. How many goals did he score, Michael? Two. Right, so... Yeah, it's... Anyways, but shout out to that guy because my response was the picture and the assertion that I am actually getting a master's degree in analytics, but thank you. Like, I'm getting a degree in numbers. <laughs> Yes. So, okay, should we talk about the Jack Eichel surgery? Yes, yes. Let's talk about it real Why quick. Why are we so off track today? We're it's, so wild. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's, it's been a long, you know, it's been a long month. So, yeah. It anyway. has, yes. Let's, uh, Rachel, Anyways, Mike be, is be not smart, playing Rachel. because Rachel would take out his other meniscus if he did. Rachel, be, be smart and talk smart things, please. Okay, so the surgery, which is scheduled to take place when you're listening to this today, mm -hmm. in Denver, Colorado... Now, there were two options, arthroplasty and fusion. Okay. They're both artificial cervical disc, either, it's either artificial uh, cervical disc fusion or artificial cervical disc arthroplasty. Arthroplasty is a, the medical term for replacement, which is what we're now going to use because I hate using the word arthroplasty. And essentially, how this surgery works, and I have it like pulled up, like, straight up i'm gonna read you the steps okay hit me let's go Rand, like just as you would with any other surgery you get all the monitors put on you and you get put under anesthetic they're not doing this surgery while jack eichel is awake mm -hmm. the area of the neck where the incision will be made um is like obviously like wiped down and it's marked so like they like they know mm -hmm. then they usually make like a one to two inch incision so it's not like an arthroscopic situation where they can just go in with like a camera through like a little slit i would really which hope is like they when, know rachel <laughs> so like when you get your knee surgery not even you when we get our knee surgeries done yes it will yes. be done arthroscopically yeah this is not what's happening there the and then there's obviously important, so if you look at your neck, your spine is not just chilling on the outside here. Like, there, it, there's other shit that has to go through muscles and dermis and whatever. So they'll move all of that to the side till they can get to the, the actual spinal column. 
and, and you see the bones of the vertebrae. Then they will remove the disc. And what the disc is, is it's in between your vertebrae, which are your bones. Mm-hmm. They will remove the disc and they will hold that area in place. Then they will take the artificial disc and they will put it in to where they took out the disc, the empty space, and they will secure it in place. Oof, holy moly. Okay, then they will close up the incision, and then underneath the skin, they will put, like, medical sutures, and then they will actually close, like, your skin skin that you see on the outside, and they will stitch that back up as well. Then they will dress it so that it doesn't get infected. That would be bad. Yeah, pretty good good on them. And then you will likely get, like, a neck... You'll probably get a neck collar for, like, the first 24 hours to restrict motion because they don't just want you going, like, willy-nilly on your new neck. Um, And so that's how, like, the um, surgery works. But then, like, after surgery, it's obviously going to be hard to swallow because you just had surgery on your neck. So you're likely going to be given food through intravenous, which, like, is fine. Um, and then once you're able to like drink, then you're probably going to be doing like a bit of a liquid diet. Then once you're able to swallow solid foods, you'll start with soft foods. Like you're not just going to be eating steak the day you have like surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, then they'll like, you're in the hospital for a few days. Um, you'll get like your dressing changed and the nurses will help you like move around a little bit. Um, but one of the important things is with this surgery, you actually want the individual up and moving right away. So normally when you have surgery, like are like if you have leg surgery, you're probably going to be in a cast. If you have neck fusion surgery, you're going to be in a collar. With this one, they actually want you moving right away. So they'll get you doing like different type of exercises within like 72 hours of the surgery. And in the like academic readings like that I read, um, they said like the patients said that like they felt a discernible difference in, in strength come back in their neck less than three days post-op. That's so like incredible. you're noticing an immediate difference. So you're, you're going to stay. So Eichel is going to stay in Denver for observation for the first three weeks, mm-hmm. which obviously is a smart thing. They need to make sure everything like worked properly. There's not a reaction to the disc, all those kinds of things. Six weeks post-surgery is when you would expect like the soft tissue to heal and you would have structural stability. So like your neck's kind of unstable because obviously you just had surgery and there is a foreign substance in your neck. Mm. Like that's kind of how that works. Similar to like, let's say you get a knee replacement. There's a foreign structure in your knee. You can't just be running a marathon the next day. Mm-hmm. Like that's but not I will how that try. works, right? You will try. I'm actually going to, like, in you know in One Tree Hill where, like, Nanny Carrie, like, literally handcuffs Dan to the bed? I did That's not see what that. I'm going to do. I'm literally handcuffing you to your bed. Okay. Um, it's the only time in my once, life I will not enjoy being handcuffed. I'll tell you that. Uh, oh, dear God, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> if, and if that doesn't tell everyone that Mike and I are not sleeping together, I don't know what will. <laughs> Um, but Continue. UFC fighter Chris Weidman actually had this surgery, and that's someone who Jack Eichel spoke to. And someone about who the professionally surgery. gets punched in the face. <laughs> and, like, hockey is a physical sport. It is not MMA. It's not UFC. Let's be clear. Right. It's, it's not martial so arts. So he said he was back to, like, full send training 100% in three months. Now, in the academic readings I did, they re- they said it was probably closer to four, and it all depends on the, the shape you're in before you go in for surgery. So everybody's body's different. Everyone reacts differently. 
right? So I think it's unrealistic to expect that Jack Eichel will be ready for the Olympics. I don't think it's unreasonable to expect he will be ready for the playoffs. Um, but this is also if something that you it. do not want to rush. Yes. Um, so that's sort of how the artificial uh, disc replacement works. Um, and because you're not actually fusing your neck bones together. So um, I think I've kind of mentioned it before. I actually have fused vertebrae in my neck. Mm-hmm. So I know what it's like to have fused vertebrae. Is it fun? Um, Is it fun, Rachel? It's not actually enjoyable at all. Um, and so, like, you're kind of restricted in motion when you do that. And you usually have to have surgery, like, 10 to 15 years after the original fusion is done. So, like, Peyton Manning had fusion done yes. on his neck. He is going to have to have a second surgery. Yeah. Right? In which I think he's already come out and said he might actually look into doing disc replacement for like the other discs, like the herniated discs in his neck and back Um, because it's becoming. So this whole thing was made up of like, oh, a hockey player hasn't done it before. It's not all that common in the literature that I read, which is academically like peer reviewed literature published in academic journals and in medical journals. Mm -hmm. Like someone did not write this on Twitter. It's legit. It's actual, like, studies, randomized control trials with, like, 180 people. Like, mm-hmm. this is actual stuff here. Um, the artificial disc replacement is actually becoming the more popular choice versus fusion because they're seeing that much success. Wow. Um, so it actually looks like this could be the, the correct path for Eichel. Um, and they obviously say everybody's different and all that other nonsense, but that's how the surgery works. That's kind of how the recovery works. It's likely that Eichel will be skating like six to eight weeks after surgery. And then you obviously have to go through your regular progressions. Then you've got to take contact because that's when your neck starts snapping here, there and everywhere. Um, then you can practice and, and all of that stuff. And so I think the three to four month timeline is probably like a, uh, a fair timeline. Wow. And they did say he will remain in Denver for three weeks after surgery, and then he will return to Vegas. Well, there you go. Remarkable. And he's doing it at a specialist's clinic because obviously he's getting the top, the top of what you're not going to a freaking knee. Like the, someone interviewed a knee surgeon what? about this surgery, and I was like, "What? Like why?" It. <laughs> Not, That's not relevant at all. Yeah. That would be like if Mike went to a heart surgeon for his meniscus tear. It's like if I went to an OBGYN for a meniscus tear. <laughs> oh my like, God. For them to be like, you know, like it has nothing to do with each other. It I'm just picturing Mike trying to book an appointment with an OBGYN. <laughs> like, so uh, why are you here? Like, do you, have, you know, is, does your girlfriend or something have fertil- fertility problems? Like, nah, I got a torn <laughs> meniscus. Can you help me out with this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that literally makes no sense. And I'm thrilled that you chose to go with OBGYN. Yeah. I was trying to think of like the most unrelated thing possible and i'm like yeah you know yeah. That, that, I'm going, that makes I'm, sense i'm going to my psychiatrist for my cardiac issues. exactly you know it's like it, he literally would be like what and the best part was when he was prescribing me medication he was like i asked him i'm like i'm on this heart medication like will it affect it and he looked at me he goes you need to ask your cardiologist that <laughs> you know what rachel i'm i'm pretty surprised that the Jack Eichel isn't uh, isn't consulting with Aaron Rodgers' close personal friend Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> the uh, the utmost uh, the, Can we finish uh, the with utmost that? mind in medicine these days. <laughs> there were okay, so 
You know me. Sometimes I see things and I'll text you and be like, is this real? Yes, it's real. So I came across the thread on Twitter over the weekend. The guy was tweeting out what Aaron Rodgers was saying on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah. I did not realize that that was going on. Oh, yeah. And so the first tweet I saw was the I've been taking advice from Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to my friend and I was like, is this real? And he he's a Packers fan. So I knew he was watching the interview he went, and he's like, unfortunately it is. And I was so then I was like, OK, well, now I need to investigate and so I started reading the thread. Oh, it's it's the most Holy deranged shit you've ever read. Leaf. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had the best take on it. Kel Surprise, this man is a gem. Go read Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's take on it. You know what? You don't want to be vaccinated. You like first of all, you're a fucking idiot. But like, go yeah, ahead, whatever. fine, don't whatever. Fucking lie. But when you're lying about it and putting other people at risks, how is it? That's a crime. How is it that Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers were fined less for violating health protocols than some dude was for, like, wearing his jersey incorrectly? I need to know. Because the NFL is stupid. It's stupid. Okay, so is the NFL better or worse than the NHL when it comes to this stuff? I mean, they did, like, they they did blackball Colin Kaepernick, so I feel like they're... NFL is worse. This that, is, yes. This is really like it's it's apples and oranges in like the NHL with this. It's they they're both terrible. They're both let's just put it that. Like it's it, they're both bad. Um it it's not great. Now, before before we go, my favorite part of the the Aaron Rodgers second interview because he he followed up on the Pat McAfee show um again the next week to talk about how upset he was about how many people clown how the entire internet clowned on him. Um and, my, and I didn't give a shit about anything he had to say because I don't care about Aaron Rodgers' opinion anymore. But what really offended me the most was that he was on, doing that interview in a Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker hoodie, um, which is the worst Star Wars movie. And I don't know why he has a hoodie of that. No one liked that movie. No, not even the people in the movie like that movie. And, and why is he wearing, like, why do you, it's, that's an affront to, to everything that is holy and good in my eyes. And so there we go. It's also o- Odell Beckham Jr. is finalizing a deal with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, just, uh, just got that report. So that's pretty huge. That's interesting. Um, he was not one of the, that was not one of the three teams that was rumored. <laughs> Anyway, we're going on a million topics. Can I topics. update you on this uh, Twitter thread oh. that's happening here? Because yeah. it is incredible. This is how so we will I, leave it, Rachel. You tell, tell, tell me about this Twitter thread. That so you I tweeted the screenshot of the whole more than one thing. And he literally replied with a screenshot that says definition of multi. A, many, multiple, much. B, more than two. C, more than one. And so, so he replied to me saying it's more than one with a definition that says more than one. And someone sc- took his screenshot and highlighted the more than one area. So he tried to dunk on you by going, oh, yeah, well, you're right. <laughs> yes. And Incredible. God bless Sam Chang. She's like, some of you here? are really stupider than shit. Yeah, for real. It's it's remarkable. Rem- oh, my God. All right, folks, we've reached the end of the podcast. We're going off the rails right now. Um, Steve is driving me up to Steve Daniels driving me up to Oshawa. So uh, as much as I love to make him wait, I probably shouldn't. Um, you can find the podcast uh, podcast at StaffGraph on Twitter. You can find Rachel on Twitter at Rachel Dory. Me on Twitter, Mikey Stevens eighty one. The podcast is on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, any podcatcher under the sun. Our merch is at Redbubble, RedBubble.com slash StaffGraphShop. 
uh, write us a nice review. And uh, Rachel, before we head out, any words of advice you'd like to leave our, our listeners with? Don't listen to Aaron Rodgers. Or Joe Rogan. No, definitely don't listen to Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take care. <laughs>